Welcome to another edition of the Engineering Leadership Podcast, where we bring together successful C-suite executives to explore their stories at the intersection of leadership and engineering. We believe leaders are built, not born. And by nailing the constants, we can build strong, engineering-focused leaders who are prepared for future success. Each interview was led by Doug Hawk, chemical engineer, business executive, and the creator of Engineering Leadership. I'm Ben Fanning. Let's get started. Brett Beeson is CEO and president of BNW Fiberglass, a global producer of advanced solutions focused on high-performance textiles and textile components. He is passionate about having engineers who know how to dream. Brent has a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering, and he chose the topic of Resolute. Here are three big ideas from today's interview. Number one, empathetic communication with your employees is the best way to build strong teams that are driven to achieve more. Number two, when you are passionate about what you do, it draws the world's attention. And then number three, as a leader, it's incredibly important to measure and mark your words very carefully. You shouldn't give in to emotions. Enjoy this episode. Hello, I'm Doug Hawk, your host for Engineering Leadership. Uh, thanks for joining us for another episode today. Uh, as we spoke before, I'm a chemical engineering alumni from Clemson University, and part of what we're doing here on Engineering Leadership is bringing together, you know, prominent Clemson engineers who have uh, built businesses, created businesses, run businesses created a uh, tremendous impact in their communities um, and with their families. And uh, we'll talk about a lot of those topics today with Brent Beeson, who's the CEO and president of B&W Fiberglass, you know, a global producer of advanced solutions focused on high-performance textiles and textile components. Brent has his bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from Clemson, and he chose the topic of Resolute, which is uh, certainly one of, my, one of my favorites and perhaps to many maybe even in a bit of an archaic term, but one I felt like when we were putting the framework together was really important. And that, uh, you know, that determination to get through very difficult situations is something that uh, leadership absolutely requires. So, you know, I guess I'd just kick things off, Brent, by, you know, of the many constants that we want to master as leaders and, and uh, attack in typical engineering fashion and break down in the ways we can get better at, you know, why resolute for you? What, what resonated for that? with that well thank you for uh for having me and uh, it's an honor to be able to give back um you know <clears throat> when 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 i was approached with the topics to uh to choose uh what we wanted to speak on um and again it was um <laughs> towards the end of 2020 and um really just took a look back at that and said well if there's not anything that's more uh that's more applicable to the current situation um than than being determined or, or resolute in in your mindset and, and the way that you project and carry yourself and lead your lead your family and your company then um, now now is the best time as ever so you know really for me um, I kind of use um, resoluteness and synonymously with determination um, thinking a lot about um, things that I've I mean even recently in the past twelve months and you know. As, as we evolved with the situation that unfolded globally, really took myself to a different place of um, really having to, you know, even though we were always determined in the past, but 
um, when when there's so much fear in the world and so much and so much uncertainty, um, you really um, are doubling down and really finding out what you're made of. So um, again, it's something that's been near and dear to my heart, um, and really is <clears throat> kind of one of my adages that I picked up in the last 12 months has been. And you've probably heard Dabo say it before or, or anyone else, but that tough times don't last, but tough people do. And I think that that's uh, the number one um, aspect of a leader is your your ability to be mentally tough, no matter what the situation is, no matter what you're facing, um, is absolutely imperative. Because at the end of the day, um, everyone's looking at you. They're looking at you for... How do you? How are you reacting to the situation? How are you handling yourself emotionally? Um, how are you projecting your body language? Um, and again, I believe that the number one keystone behind all that is that you're determined that no matter what's going to happen, or you're resolute, no matter what's going to happen, that we're going to have a positive outcome and we're going to be able to deal with whatever comes our way. <clears throat> yeah. No, and I think it's a, you know, I think you put in a great frame there. And I think also the, one of the things that comes to mind for me is sometimes, you know, we're, we're trained to sort of listen to the data and be data driven as engineers. And one of the things that I try to convey to my folks is, you know, that is important and it's certainly critical when we're making technical decisions, but I think it's just as important to remember that, you know, in the face of sort of, you know, a wall of uncertainty and chaos and fear, like you mentioned, that we've all faced here in a pandemic. Um, but also in many, I, I've been through a number of situations and we'll chat a little bit about some of your, your early days, you know, in the family business as well. But, you know, I, I can think about the times where if I listened to the data as it was presented and, and sort of just drew a straight up conclusion on that basis, you know, it, we probably wouldn't have continued in terms of building the company or building a plant or a pro, you know, and sometimes that's where it's, it's not just in the face of uncertainty, but even in the face of certainty from others or certainty in the data where folks feel like the conclusion is already foregone, that being resolute about what you want to get done and determine that it can be accomplished can be even more important because um, you're kind of going counter to your training, right. As a, as an engineer in some ways. <clears throat> Absolutely. And um, so, you know, you guys, uh, I read some inspiring stories about uh, you and your dad and the early start at Clemson and, uh, um, and recently uh, a really inspiring move in the, in the upstate with some, some production capacity, too, that uh, came into the business. So, you know, tell us a little about it, like um, strong ties with Clemson. Um, how did, how did those impact your success as you dug into these, into the real world, started in business and, uh, you know, position so, to get moving forward? So I had a, a very different path than most in that, um, in my, <clears throat> um, always grew up, um, never again, you know, had a very, very blessed lifestyle growing up. Um, never, never worried about anything. And, um, was very fortunate enough to to be able to go to Clemson. Um, and towards the end, or maybe right when I got to Clemson, my father had retired 
and he basically became fidgety and bored and he decided that he'd spent an entire career in advanced composites and things like that and glass fiber and he decided that he'd spent this entire year acquiring all these contacts technical knowledge um running these businesses and that he really looked in the mirror and said what's my legacy and he became to the conclusion that his legacy was going to be wasted if he didn't pass it to someone else and he wanted to pass it to me and he started the company again when I was a freshman uh, at Clemson in the late nineties. Um, and in 1999 or excuse me, early 2000s, I might've been working with the business. Um, he um, was diagnosed with prostate cancer and um, I was, you know, Mr. Happy-go-lucky. I was the happiest-go-lucky mechanical engineer that had good grades, uh, hopefully, at, the, at that time and juncture. Um, and at that time, we had two or three employees just kind of messing around with the business. And I remember then, I mean, prostate cancer was a death sentence in the early 2000s. And there was a there was a, a uh, an experimental treatment in California. And... Um, my father came in and said, Hey, I'm leaving. Um, I'm leaving for three months to move to LA to get this treatment. I'm taking your mom with me. And, uh, Oh, by the way, uh, junior or senior at Clemson university, you've got this company that I need you to, to check on, um, every day. And so, um, really, uh, Clemson stepped up and, and, and it was, it was, it was the community around me of, um, not only my classmates, but uh, my friends and professors that knew what I was going through. And so I would literally get up, um, either go to class in the morning or I'd make a two hour drive to where the facility was. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I'd be on the phone with my dad and he would tell me what to say when they said this or say this when they say that. And this customer needs X and Y. And so really in the early days um, of us, trying to get our feet underneath this as a company. Um, it was really um, the village and the family of Clemson that enabled enabled me to, to feel safe um, and to feel supported. Um, and that's that's probably my, my fondest memory of, of not only hard work and determination, but of, you know, really what, when Clemson says family, they mean it. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's an awesome story. Um, you know, and obviously it's led to some incredible outcomes, right? I mean, uh, it sounds like you guys have, you know, built a, not just allowed your dad to pass on his, his knowledge and his, his experience and wisdom and, and, and uh, insights, right? But now put you in a position to potentially do the same someday. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's um, really um that is probably my number one focus today is, you know, um, I always tell everybody is like, you need to understand on my executive team that I'm not here for me. This is not a, yes, I get fulfillment out of being here, but I'm not here for me. I'm, I'm fine. I can do, um, you could like a cat, you could throw me off the roof and I land on my feet. I'm here because I want to see your families impacted um, as my family's been impacted, 
Um, and I want to see those um, associates of ours that um, I, I live literally my number one joy in life is to see somebody come in and work their way up from a, from the shop floor at the, at the lowest position to be um, in our front offices um, doing deals and, and, and taking additional responsibility and, and, and watching them grow up and, and being the facilitator of that. I, I truly believe that that is my greatest legacy to pass on is, is a take the gift that I was given from my father as a start and to turn around and to create something that is repeatable through processes and framework that it can pass from generation to generation and be, and that's no easy task, as you well know, I mean, to, to create an enterprise that's robust enough to stand the, ten, stand the, yeah, to stand the test of time is, um, is, is, is nearly impossible. <clears throat> well, it's, 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 it's very much in, the spirit of what we're trying to do here with engineering leadership, right. Is, you know, trying to get, uh, trying to pass on some of the experiences and wisdom and, and approach, you know, and what we hope to do is sort of break, you know, these sometimes mysterious or mythical topics down in ways that, uh, you know, young engineers can take them and move forward with their career in a, in a, in a way that they can pursue these topics productively. Right. Um, and in that in that mindset, I mean, what would you recommend to, you know, again, as you mentioned at the start of your story, those juniors or seniors in Clemson today, or those early, you know, early recent graduates, um, how important is is focusing on leadership and and uh, you know, and all that entails. One of which is obviously a focus on others and building your teams. Um, how should they, you know, I, I think you would probably agree it's. It's never too early to start, right? It sounds like you got thrown into it one way or another and had to figure it out. But, uh, you know, uh, earlier the better is my recommendation to folks, right? Even if you're in an individual contributor role now, it doesn't mean you you wait to sort of learn this stuff later, right? No, I mean, I 100% agree. And, and, you know, the thing that I say and tell everybody is that I've been fortunate to be around a lot of leading edge thinkers about leadership and it all boils down to one thing it's people and how people view you um and i don't mean that as um you know that you're trying to be accepted and you care about what everybody thinks but the most important thing that i believe is humility and empathy um and 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 how that interfaces in social settings i mean at the end of the day we're social human beings we're not meant to be by ourselves um that's the reason they put people in solitary confinement i mean it's literally the definition of, of maddening um, right. I, I do believe that um you know one of the things that i carry myself uh around and i tell our people all the time is you know but people's perception of you whether it's real or not is their reality and how you interact with those people um, is probably the, the number one, the number one key in any type of leadership position, because if you don't have the buy-in um, you don't have um, folks that believe um, that they're, that they're engaged in a, in a mission that is accomplishable and that you're going to be with them no matter what you're dead. Um, one of our core values is you never 
ask more of another than you're willing to give yourself. And uh, that to me, and I actually, I think I, I can't remember if I stole that one from Dabo. I probably did. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, that is the number one of our, of our values. That is the number one thing that is most important to me. And again, self-awareness is something just like leadership that is possible for everybody. And it is a never ending journey. You will never, ever um, be a master of it, but it is something that daily um, and it is a, is a personal goal for me is that I literally want to be the most self-aware leader, father, um, and husband that I can possibly be. So. <clears throat> no, I think it's, and you, you touched on something that I think is critically important in terms of, you know, our topic of being resolute is, you know, people think about that sometimes as a, you know, an internal quality, right? Like being self-determined and focused and, and you know, sternly and thoughtfully approaching an objective. I think I love what you said earlier, where part of it is part of leadership is building awareness that it's not only having that in your own mind and heart, but recognizing that all eyes are on you and you have to find a way to project that and do it consistently, right? Like it's, you're not allowed to have a bad day, right? As a leader, you know, you get the sniffles, the whole, the whole team gets a cold, right? Like it's just, and having that awareness, I mean, how have you dealt with sort of, you know, bad days? Cause we all do have them, but, you know, as a leader, you know, you've got to be that steady, steadying force and be a, you know, be resolute in the face of, you know, I tell folks, you don't know, what someone else is going through and they don't know what you're going through. Right. Like, I mean, you know, you could have a kid sick, a, your spouse could be waiting on a critical test result. I mean, there's a million things that go on as we've all learned, certainly in this pandemic for sure. Um, but I think it's one of the important areas to realize, and you highlighted it well, is you're on stage as a leader and you got to realize that and, you know, got to get through the day and project a sense of calm and, and uh, reassurance, right? No matter what the situation. I, I completely agree. And I say that, you know, my father would always uh, had a notepad in every meeting and, and you could tell when something was not going to his liking because he would start writing a lot, even though there wasn't anything to write. And what he was writing was KMS, KMS, KMS and circling it. And KMS was keep mouth shut. Um, and even though he never had a problem speaking his mind for folks that knew him and um, could have arguably done a better job of that, um, I think that my, um, is, is really knowing, you know, people will act on your emotion. Like when they sense that you're emotional and passionate about something, or maybe passionate, not emotional, Passionate about something will, will draw the proper amount of attention. And I don't think that it's necessarily bad to be emotional from time to time, because at the end of the day, even though you're a leader and you're supposed to be bulletproof, you're a human being. Right. Um, but I do believe that it is incredibly important to measure and, 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 to, and to mark your words very carefully. Um, you know, it's a, it is probably one of the hardest things to master is again, when emotion feeds into the entire equation that, 
and you really want to tell somebody what you think about them or think about what they did or how difficult a situation they put you in, I've, I've found it in my short 40 years on this rock that it's probably better just to keep your mouth shut, think about it for a little while, and then determine if you really feel like that once you've got a once you've got a clearer head. I mean, literally, a, the 20-second rule is what I tell people. If you, if you feel the same way after 20 seconds, then... Then, then, then you might be able to approach it, but if not, I mean, and then I suggest you keep your mouth shut. And I think that that works well in friendships and marriages and and in in in, in uh, raising children as well. <clears throat> yeah, and I think it's also I think it's good a good point for you mentioned earlier about uh, sort of you know driving home a point. I mean, one of the things I think that's young engineers in particular, and all of us, but certainly. For me early in my career, you know, it was we're and we're taught to find the answer definitively, right? To sort of calculate the conclusion. And when we do, we can be pretty certain that we're right. And but that's you know, again, being right in that sense doesn't mean it's the right answer for the team or the group or the business overall, right? And I think, you know, I've I would. I often ask folks, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to win? And they're not the same thing. And sometimes that's, you know, for folks that are trained to sort of that there's a black and white, you know, ones and zeros kind of outcome and that things, you know, the data says X and that's what it says. Um, you know, sort of knowing when to temper that and sort of account for all the intangibles and and the unknowns and realizing that no matter how you calculated your answer, you know, you probably made a million assumptions to simplify things. So you could do that. And in doing that, you know, you maybe had to ignore some critical elements that when you look back on it, get you to a different place. Right. Sure. And I had a, was fortunate enough to go to a, um, an entrepreneurship school in um, or, and the framework of their leadership style was was on an equation, and the equation was E plus R equals O. And they basically said that an event is going to happen, so you have E, and you know what you want O to be is the outcome. And so what do you do? What is your reaction? What is your R to backward solve for the outcome? And that has been probably one of the most impactful, um, just easy things to remember is that you've got, you know where you want to go with this situation, no matter what or how terrible the event is. Um, how do you react to it to make sure that you get what you want or you get a, a favorable outcome for all the stakeholders? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that you had said that, that caught my thinking is um, having engineers that know how to dream. Um, can you just riff on that a little bit for us? Like how to, what's your, what's your thinking around that? And how, how critical is that, that ability in the folks that you work with? And, and, uh, yeah. So, um, and, and it's really, it dovetails in this, in this whole topic that we're on with me. And, and, and again, I'm not any, any anything to, to model yourself against, first of all, but 
you know, one of my takeaways has always been in life that there's always a way. I don't care if it, you know, if all the data tells you that it's impossible, there's always a way. And, you know, the thing that I, again, that I allude to that seems to be elusive in many technical disciplines is we are so governed by the data that you miss the forest for the trees almost every time. And I see this everywhere. And when everybody's first reaction is no, 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 no. We actually have a clicker in our office. Uh, We used to have a clicker when somebody would say no, I'd click them and just say, we haven't even talked about it. How could it, how could it be no already? Um, I mean, my, my first, my first inclination always has been, um, and again, being more customer facing has always been, yes, yes, sir. Yes. We'll figure it out. All right, and then leave there and have no earthly idea how on God's green earth, you're going to figure this thing out, but also having the determination um, to get all the, all, all the, the, the potential stakeholders around the table um, and, and get your team to solve this issue. And, and really, if you want to know truly what has been, that's probably been the number one contributor to the success of our businesses is saying yes and being able to critically dream to where they, you know all the reasons why it's a no, but why can't you flip those no's on, on, on their head and have an, an invert to where you can say, okay, well, it's no because of that, but it's yes because of this. And being able to get outside of that box and to really paint your own picture um, of, of, of any situation. I mean, it could be a financial situation. It could be a technical situation. It could be a customer situation or whatever it is. There's always a way to win. And it's a, um, but, it, but again, there's always a way to win if you're resolute enough to stay in the game. If you quit, you're done. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's that's key. I mean, we we used to have a in the old days. We had a, actually had a, in our sales process. Speaking to nose, we had a we had a card that we used to we used to pay the guys for, and because we were trying to change the mentality that um, you know, no is an opportunity, not a not an ending, right? And um, we would have because you know one of the toughest jobs for and this is some, we had engineers in these jobs too, that, you know, in technical sales and sometimes in inside positions would, you know, it is, it's tough to get told no, you know, 20, 30, 40 times a day. So one of the things we came up with was, okay, we're going to, every no you get, you know, right, mark it down. And when you get 20, turn it in and you're, and you're, and we'll give you 20 bucks. And it was like, <laughs> so it turned, it's sort of as a way to turn a negative into, Hey, well, I got to know, but at least I got to know. So now I'm in a, And I think about, you know, that in these situations, like, cause it's just being, you have to know that, you know, I've got a good product, a good service, a good solution, but most people don't see that at first blush, right? Like it's having that determination to just carry through and, sure. you know, find a way to get to yes. And, um, or as you said, start with yes and then find a way to get it done. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, any, any particular tools, tips, books, um, you know, 
I love the E plus R equals O. I love KMS. I mean, those are those are those are some great takeaways for us. Um, anything anything else that you could you know that's been a consistent uh, sort of resource for you? I'm just you know I'm not a, a, a prolific. I'm pretty well read, but I'm I'm more of an audible type guy that I am going to be able to pick up a Kindle or a paperback. Um, right. You know, but books that have been really impactful to me, uh, probably, and it's not, again, except, you know, I don't own the University of Oregon, but, you know, probably one of the books that's, that's most similar to our path was, was Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, um, his whole, um, his journey, and, and it is, to me, one of the greatest entrepreneurial books ever written. It's fantastic. Um and the other one that, that I'm a huge fan of and, and, and is a great read for the time is American Icon, um, uh, Bryce Harper. It's a fantastic story of Alan Malawi and what he inherited as a mechanical engineer from Boeing being sent over to, to fix Ford Motor Company in the, in, in the face of <laughs> the last disaster that we were facing uh, of the Great Recession. Right. Um, and, and then the other one about just being hard nosed and 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 uh, and unrelenting and, and, and never taking a no for answer is a is a uh, is a book called The Fish That Ate the Whale, and um, it's about a gentleman named Samuel Zimuri who is a, a Russian immigrant and basically arrived at the United States penniless and um, ended up at the end of it. Um, he was the fish, and the whale was United Fruit Company, which was the largest company in, the, in maybe in the world at the time. Um, that that is an incredible story of determination. I mean, not all of the things that he did was exactly legal, but um, <laughs> he wasn't going to be stopped. Um, and then, um, yeah. And as far as you know, people and folks that I look up to, I mean, again, I mean, just <clears throat> I had an interesting. Um, quandary for some of the folks at the university to have them compare and contrast Dabo's leadership style to Nick Saban and basically how they got the same exact um, the same exact outcome um, it took two drastically different paths to get there um, that was pretty fascinating and then I really emulate as far as being a, a dreamer and a thinker so Roger Milliken um, is one of my um, it's very difficult to find stuff that people have written about him, but um, he's one of those guys that every time we are fortunate enough to have a, a, a lot of Millican people that work for BWF um, and, and, and to interact with the senior leadership at Millican still as a customer. But to hear stories of, you know, again, how detail oriented, um, you know, how much of a heart for people that he had, how socially um, accessible that he was to everybody in the company. It's uh, it's, it's really cool, amazing stuff. <clears throat> uh, that's a great point. I think the one of the things I always like to ask is, you know, when was that personal moment for you? Right, it's probably pretty early, given what you went through with taking the plant. But you know, also, you know, it was, you know, you you dug in and did the work, right? I mean, we all did at one point in our career and. Um, I think it was, I guess it was your early plant, even, you know, digging the ditches and doing a ground level and literally at the construction side of things to pull it out of the ground. Right. So when did it, 
when did it was there a moment that it clicked for you that it's about it's about others it's about the people it's about the team and it's you know while it's important that we understand the details and obviously work hard and you know are willing to as you said always do everything that we're we'd ask of any others that ultimately there's very little we can accomplish by ourselves right percent and I'll say this and my defining moment is um my defining moment was and I remember it I mean I remember everything around it where I was um we were actually in a car and I'm going to preface this story by saying first of all money is not everything this is not a story about money this is a story about when you when I became determined so it just so happens that it's in the context of um, financial uh, goals. So anyway, my father and I, before he had prostate cancer, I think I was home from Clemson, maybe on a Christmas break. And at the time, um, the the original plant was about an hour from our home. Um, and so I didn't, I always had to work when I came home. And so um, we were riding down the road and, and it was early one morning. I was tired and and I looked over at my dad and I said, dad, do you ever think that I will make six figures a year working at this company? At the time, again, there was only three people in the company and he's turned his head over and he said, boy, I think you need to go find something else to do. And from that time, um, really, um, that has been my driving force and the, I not only was going to create that for myself, but I was going to create that for others as well. Um, and I think back on that um, all the time about, you know, really that was a, a choice that I had that day where I could have packed it up and said, all right, this stinks. I got to go find something else to do. And, you know, all my friends are graduating, going to work for BMW and GE and Bosch and all these other places. And here I am. Oh, yeah. And the other thing that he did do just to finish the whole compensation is that he called the university and made sure that I was the lowest paid engineer that graduated in mechanical engineering that year. So um, I got a double dose of it. But that moment, as I reflect on, um, and I tell that story a lot because it was at that time, um, and even as recently before he passed away, Father's Day, not too long before he passed away, we had this great picture that was taken of us at one of our plants in Manchester. And I gave it to him with a, with the Walt Disney quote on the bottom of this picture, and it still hangs in our in one of our lobbies today. And basically, I told him, I said, "I'm not done dreaming yet." And that's the, uh, you know, you're only as big as you can dream. And um, that's that was my pivot point. <clears throat> no, that's a great great story. Um, how do you how do you think? You know, one of our other sort of constants that I think is an important companion to being resolute and a necessary companion is, is optimism, right? You have to, and, and you, you know, it's sort of what you're, I think tying into what you're thinking there is, you know, dream big, stay optimistic. Right. And that's sort of, I think when you have moments where, you know, your commitment or your determination is feeling, you know, weaker, and uh, and perhaps it's harder to be resolute. You know, it's for me at least. I've always tried to lean on, you know, a, a sense of optimism about. Well, there's got to be some way to do it, right? And just there's there's got to be a way through. You mentioned earlier, you know, like it can be done. Um, 
and combining that sense of you know determination with a sense of what's possible. And as you said, keep dreaming and staying optimistic about it. I mean, I think that, you know, the first of all, it's never been more lonely as a leader, especially as the leader of your business than right now. It is a, you are, I mean, I've, I've been scared before, but any leader that tells you that they weren't absolutely terrified is, 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 is lying. Um, I believe that, you know, optimism and really taking stock of your blessings and realizing um, I'm, I'm a big faith-based guy. I mean, I believe that, you know, again, copy our great football coach that God never says oops. And there is a reason that you are going through this. And I don't know what it is right now, but I do know that I have the conviction that I'm going through it for a reason. And when I'm to the other side of it, I'm going to say, ah, I understand now I get this. And I, and I I believe that another adage that we use to this whole, whole pandemic and, and really we put it out to our customers was, was three words. It was faith over fear. And just keeping the faith and believing in this particular circumstance that you're one day closer to it being over. Now, they've moved the cheese a few times on us here, but I do believe that, you know, having that innate faith and, and, and being determined that no matter what, what comes at you, if it's a money problem, a people problem, a outbreak, whatever it is that, you know, no, no, number one, that you have been the type of leader that has drawn team members around you that are that, that are bought in and are that are yoked equally with you and that they're um, truly here to to help you get to the other side of it now that doesn't mean that you know, you know I do believe that you know vulnerability on top of all this is extremely important I think that um, again, you're a human being. Now, I do believe that you need to be careful with who you're vulnerable with, but I also believe that, you know, vulnerability in that essence of humanity um, is something, especially in times like this, that, that 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 when people are looking up at you, they're 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 taking they're taking note big time. <clears throat> I think it's important to note that you know when we say being resolute is is so important that doesn't mean in any way being distant or cold or, uh, you know, remote, right? I mean, it's the opposite of that. It's, it's, it's having that sense of determination, but um, also making that accessible and, and uh, in a, you know, a humble way, still exposing all the challenges, not about denying the challenges or denying the problems or, you know, like you said, uh, getting past all the no's it's, it's continuing on in the face of all that, right? 100%. Uh, well, Brian, I really appreciate, uh, you know, running through this topic with us, some great takeaways. Um, what's, you know, I always like to pull in, I know this isn't about, you know, your particular business or a particular company, but I, you know, we all are engineers and probably most listening to this will be, um, you know what? What gets you most excited about BMW going forward? Is it? Is there a technology? Is there a? 
Is there a, is there a trend that's really got you excited, worried, you know, all at the same time? I mean, usually for me, the big ones come with a little bit of both. And it's, um, so I'll say this, I mean, for whatever reason, you know, we're, we're recording this the third week of January um, of 2021. And, you know, we are, we have a very aggressive growth path. Um, we've got probably the strongest team we've ever had. We took 2020 as a time, of, you know, where you're basically throwing making money out the window and you're just trying to not only survive, but to come out of it in a better place. And, you know, we, we spent a, an extraordinary amount of time um, really focusing on, on us internally, looking in the mirror very, very hard as a leadership team. Um, you know, we were moving people around in, in upper level seats and bringing in new folks. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about our trajectory. We've got a near-term goal to triple the company in five years, um, which is something that, that that's a lot. I've got a a pretty healthy M&A bug. It, it's like a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a fun drug to feed. Um, and you, once you get started, it's, it's, a, it's, everything else seems a little bit boring when you're not in the hunt. Um, but I mean, I, I, I'm just very optimistic about, um, you know, the economy rebounding. I feel good. I mean, it's almost like everybody turned so far this year, turned the corner and turned the page and left all all the bad stuff in 2020 and basically just act like it didn't happen, which was, which was, which was refreshing for me. But um, past that, I think that, you know, there's a, you know, we're focusing on continuing to expand our footprints in Asia and, and, and we've got a, you know, we, we had a startup come online in the beginning of 2020. So that was really fun to watch that. Um, <laughs> you know, go to, go down the drain and, and then come back out. But um, yeah, so I think it's a, a, a healthy level of optimism with data behind it, which is all, <laughs> but again, just like coming out of, you know, OA is, you know, everybody is just ready for the next shoe to drop. And so it's a uh, definitely, um, it took a decade plus for us to get our confidence back and then get chopped back down to size. So I think that's uh pretty simple that's what we're looking for yeah, no i appreciate that we're coming up on our hour but i did want to ask just one parting question one of the things that one of the other sort of perspectives we're trying to convey and and uh, communicate with engineering leadership is that um you know i i think of in today's as we build leadership teams right i mean we're engineers so we're at the table um but um you know, what are your thoughts on just, you know, other leadership teams, if you could speak to them, if they don't have an engineer in the room, like how important that might be, right? Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't have a company without an accountant. You wouldn't have a company without an attorney. You wouldn't have, you know, we've got these traditional leadership roles that I feel like are on all executive teams kind of by definition. And yet in a world where technology drives virtually every business, um, you know, a lot of times there's not there's not an engineer at the table and, you know, I don't know that leadership teams have focused on how important that might be to, you know, rounding out the skill set and the talent around them to really deal with the world we have going forward. No, I mean, I completely agree. And, you know, probably to my chagrin, one of my major fallacies was that I went engineer heavy <laughs> and uh, was looking for uh, all, 
but what what at the time seemed like unicorns was uh, MBAs, engineers with MBAs, and um, you know, I, you have a gift as an engineer in that you can compartmentalize, and through your training and the way that you're cognitively cognitively wired, it is a gift that that you are a true visionary just by default because you can see in in your mind or on a piece of paper how to get from point A to point B. Um, the rest of the, the population and disciplines are not, not gifted in that way. And again, I think that, you know, you're truly um, missing a whole host of, of um, real positives that come from a from a from a technical mindset whether it be organizational uh whether it's you know you have an industrial engineer that's involved in a plan or a project or um you know breaking it down to the least common denominator of what we have to do to get from a to b and what are our what are our what are you know key metrics and, and, and milestones that we have to it's you can just continue and go on and on and on of literally sitting in, sitting in at a boardroom table or in a meeting table and, and just, you know, like you love those exams as one problem, right? And, and you literally sit there for 15 minutes or 30. I sat there for probably 30 minutes staring at the paragraph and trying to ask myself, what do I know? What do I know? And just keep asking myself over and over and over. And I believe that, you know, really bringing that into into the into the business world is something that is 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 definitely missed, and I completely agree with you that that's a, uh, we're fortunate enough that that we uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. Again, I'm not someone that anyone should model themselves after, but it's a um, it's definitely a, a a leg up on on anyone that you're that you could be competing with that's not in that situation. Uh, I appreciate that. And I think I just, I want all of those listening and, and, you know, who are choosing to kind of take this journey for themselves to realize, you know, I think the world needs our perspective and that, you know, having that skill set and those gifts in a position to help, you know, companies and communities and teams succeed is, is critically important. And, um, you know, we're not just on a journey to kind of improve ourselves, but I think in doing so and providing leadership to, bigger groups of people and, and, you know, getting beyond our comfort zones is it's uh, it's really important for all of us, I think, to continue down that path and make progress and, and, you know, provide those gifts to, to help others that, uh, you know, some teams can't get there without your help. So be bold and be resolute, step up and uh, stretch beyond your comfort zones and, uh, you know, choose to be a leader. Amen. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. Engineering Leadership is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping engineers enhance their leadership skills. You can download resources to accelerate your leadership skills by going to www.engineering-leadership.com.